Give a little, help a lot. Make getting back to school easier for families by paying towards their PEP lay-by. Give as little as 2 rand in-store or 20 rand online. Make a difference. Become a lay-by buddy today. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. Look at online. wrapped up warm if you're in the southern hemisphere hope you are sitting at the swimming pool if you're in the northern hemisphere but wherever you are i hope you've been grateful today's show is all about life insurance but before we go into that you know that the show is really about us understanding details more us being able to ask the questions being able to talk about the subjects that we don't normally speak about or can't speak about that um, on this show, we can speak about anything. And thanks very much to all of you who do send in your, your questions, even if they're private. Thank you so for that. Um, it's also about us understanding that healthcare professionals are people and that they get hungry, they get tired, and they're not some robots or superheroes. And of course, the show is also about us understanding how do we improve the relationship between your healthcare professional and yourself. As you know, I am a coach. It's about working with professionals. It's about working with professionals on the other side of the title and making sure that we are the best versions of ourselves that we can be. After the break, I'm going to reintroduce you to my guest, David Smith, who you've met before. And we're going to be talking life insurance. I'm sure that you have started to see on uh, the news, on TV, on advertising, certainly on social media, where people are saying, oh, life insurance, we'll give you life insurance. Um, We're going to find out from David, is that just all nonsense? Um, And what is life insurance anyway? But let's go for that break. The more someone makes you think about your body, the harder it becomes to ignore. Your tongue, for example. Usually you hardly notice it's there. But when I mention it, you can feel your tongue bumping against your lower front teeth, the tips just resting on them. You notice your tongue feels just a little too long for your mouth. And you notice it never really lies still. You move it about constantly, without thinking about it, backwards and forwards, and from side to side. Suddenly it feels strangely wet and heavy in your mouth doesn't it? A few seconds ago, you hardly noticed your tongue, but just one message ensured that you can't stop thinking about it. Now imagine the hundreds of messages girls are exposed to every day, subtly changing the way they think about their bodies. See how you can help with the Dove Self-Esteem Project at selfesteem.dove.co.uk. Stay woke with Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. My guest today is David Smith, and we're going to be talking life insurance. For those of you who may not have met David before, let's just explain to you. Let's give you some more background. Basically, David is a financial advisor with Liberty. He specializes in estate planning, risk assurance, retirement, and investment planning. Um, Also in medical aids, gap cover, and corporate benefits. 
He provides each of his clients with a financial needs analysis, determining financial position and also the risk shortfall. His greatest service he can offer his clients is his solid advice. And that has come from his more than 11 years of industry experience. So, David, welcome back. Thanks, Colleen. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. <laughs> yes. Okay, so life insurance. Let's hear. What, let's start in the beginning. What actually is life insurance? Okay, I'm, I'm going to sum it up with um, lifetime risk. And the meaning of that is a measure of risk that a certain event will happen during a person's lifetime. Um, I think all of us do carry risk. Um, the younger we are, um, you're taking on debt and um, you pretty much probably have more liability than your building asset. So you do need a certain level of insurance uh, when you're younger is probably going to be higher as you grow older your need for risk assurance is going to lower as you start to consolidate and go into retirement uh, your risk of exposure um when underwriting and so forth is looking at it um we're going to determine the sources um we're going to identify control measures um of those determined sources and we're going to see what um, risk a person actually has at the end of the day uh, whether it be hereditary or something they're born with something they develop over a period of time everybody does carry risk life assurance at the end of the day um, you cover insurance for life you cover insurance for uh, disability impairment and any trauma under your dread disease benefit so there are different portions of the risk cover there. Okay. So let me translate. Let me see if we understand for the rest of us. Okay. So basically saying we've got Joe Soap, okay, and Joe Soap takes out life insurance and basically saying that um, if he dies, mm -hmm. he will get money, but it won't go to him because he'll be dead. But yeah. basically the younger you are or the more debt that you may be in, the more yeah. chance that you need a bigger life insurance because you've yeah. got so many things that need to be paid. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to leave your family sitting with all these, all this debt. Yeah. And, all, yeah. and all, also one big thing uh, a lot of people do forget about, and it's one thing that's included in our, in our analysis, and I do remind people a lot of, is how much a person is going to miss your income. Um. A person will always count up, well, I've got so much debt, so I should have so much life insurance. But how much is your family over what period of time going to miss your income until they get back on the feet and they can actually support themselves? And over and above that, when we start looking at business assurance as well, how much is a business going to miss your input? So that's also quite a critical point for people that own their own businesses or they have a share value within a business as well. Okay. And then you also spoke about not only death, you spoke about trauma and things like cancer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So also brought up on a needs analysis is um, if anything had to happen right now that either disables you, impairs you from what you're doing, or is a trauma and stops you doing what you do for a period of time, 
you you have a cost to that. Um, I've always said before is medical aid and your gap cover will sort out your immediate care. But what happens while you're not where you normally are? And that's essentially where you do carry the risk provision for disability impairment and trauma. Okay. All right. So that makes more sense now that we've taken the jargon out of it. Okay. So, so when we hear people speaking, it's about, oh, they can't get life insurance. So now what's going on there? Well, um, Obviously, we uh, we as a life company were insuring risk um, at the end of the day. What we've got to analyze, I think, right from the start is um, is the risk that we're actually going to cover and what we're going to cover over a period of time. I always do mention to people that if you try and take cover out once something has happened, um it turns into one of those scenarios of I could have, I should have, I would have. Um, you have to normally take cover out before something happens. Um, if a, a person does have chronic illness or they develop chronic illness over a period of time, that is a higher risk than um, what a normal healthy life would actually have. Uh, certain risk is uninsurable as well. So um, when I mentioned in the beginning there, the measure of the risk that a certain event um, will happen during a person's lifetime, I think that is critical for what we are going to ensure at the end of the day. Okay. So it's basically saying how much is, how much is the company's risk by saying, okay, Joe Soap comes along. Um, Joe Soap is healthy. And we insure him. And then along the line, Joe Soap is not as healthy. And that's the risk that you're willing to accept. It, it comes down disclosure, I think, is a very is a very big point. I think you'll hear a lot in social media, on the news, um, of a person taking cover out, insurance doing investigation later and saying, well, what we originally assessed in comparison to what we saw at the end of the day was two totally different things. I think disclosure, very valid. Um, A person needs to disclose um, everything that has happened to them, where they actually are now, um, any illnesses and so forth they've had in the past before. Um, That is critical for um, underwriting to actually assess what risk they're actually insuring at the end of the day. Um, As is an insurance company, we're also backed by reassurers as well, um, who um, need to know that information. They need to know what risks they're actually taking on the books at the end of the day. Um, a lot of people do have selective memories. Um, I think here and there is actually spurred on by a lot of financial advisors. Oh, don't mention that um, that happened five years, five years ago or 10 years ago. Um, I think it is critical to mention everything. Uh, leave it up to the underwriter, the people that are assessing the risk to say, um, should we know about it or shouldn't we know about it? Um, leave the decision up to them at the end of the day, but you pretty much should disclose anything and everything that has happened to you. Okay. 
All right, so this is starting to make sense now, but let's go for a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about, you know, what happens when you do put everything on the paper and then they go, oh, no, we can't insure you. Sure, yeah. sure. But let's go for the break. Okay. Phil. How's it be? Welcome back, man. Thanks. How was your holiday? Yeah, it was cool, eh? Uh, it's just nice spending some time with your own people and chilling. What? Uh, what I meant was you have your people and I have mine and sometimes we spend time apart. Oh, my people. Family. I meant family. Well, we're all family, obviously. One nation together. Brothers. Oh, brothers. We're brothers. Bros. Huh? Bros. You know, I've got loads of friends that are like my brothers. Well, well, just the one friend, but we're super tight. You'd love him. All right, Phil. Okay. Jeez, why can't we all just be? Like, not be. <laughs> you said that. You did. You said it. Um, we, we should go out and watch soccer sometime. I'm a bugger bugger. Mm-mm. Some people just can't stop themselves. That's why the new Volkswagen Golf 7 comes with brake assist. Volkswagen. We make the future real. You are listening to Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You are tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. My guest today is David Smith. You have met him before. You know that he comes to speak to us about all things uh, insurance, financial, um, and he takes the jargon out of it so that we understand. We're talking about life insurance. He just explains what it is. Basically, it's saying that you are covered for in the event that you're going to die or you're not going to work. He also reminded us that you've got to look at, it's not just how much debt you have. It's also about what happens with your salary or your wage. How much will people miss that? So we've been talking about that when you are, he said, what disclosure, making sure that you do disclose everything, even if it was ugh, when I was a little, little one. Um, and that we need to be honest on our applications. Now, let's talk about when you are honest and you do say, okay, I had um, HIV positive or um, I have bipolar or I'm diabetic or I'm HIV positive. I think we said that. Okay. What happens then? Look, um, I think we'll, we'll hit the HIV, I think, first. Um, HIV, I think, is pretty much understood in South Africa. Africa, there's probably a large percentage of people that are HIV positive. So it is a um, it is a concern for the country, and there also is um, an insurability. Um, I think when you do take out the insurance at the end of the day, there has to be. Um, there has to be an insurability there. Um, if you sort of look at the HIV and so forth, there's a lot of people that are living healthy lives having HIV. And um, that's a case of putting the illness um, under control. So if a person is taking their antiretrovirals, for example, and maintaining a good um, a good diet, they've got a good healthy lifestyle and so forth. They can actually live probably as long as um, your normal average person will live. I think when the insurance companies do look at it, they are um, assessing the risk. Um, it is going to be a more expensive cover. Um, many years ago when they wouldn't 
cover HIV and it was um, you was uninsurable. I think the insurance companies looked at it and they assessed the risk going forward and they actually see historically what has actually happened with healthy lives versus unhealthy lives. Um, I think it is a higher risk. So obviously you'll get a more expensive premium because of the loading on there. Um, but it is cover that insurance companies are willing to look at. Taking um, that example sort of interrespect uh, as well as you look at other scenarios, as long as you identify control measures around um, a person's illness um, and those control measures are um, stuck to, um, I think that is that is pertinent for the cover going forward. If a person is loaded um, or cover is deferred, for example, um, it is always something that people, um, the insurance companies will look at at a later date. If um, cover is declined, um, they're pretty much saying you are in, uninsurable. Um, it is not necessarily stopping you putting an application in later and the assessing the risk later. Um, if a person does get reviewed over a period of time on something, um, their health may be different. There may be different signs. They may have got healthier. They may have been sticking to a better diet. Uh, things may have changed. Um, and that's all part of, that's all part of the risk assessment. That's all part of what we're ensuring at the end of the day. So from what I'm here as well is, is that what they are measuring the risk against is reevaluated mm. and changed with the years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like with HIV, you are going to live way longer now than you did before because of antiretrovirals, yeah. because of knowledge yeah. about you know your diet and all that kind of thing yeah yeah mm. and you know it's um i think things can go one of one of both ways is either going to go up or it's going to get down it's probably like the economic markets is um i think a person wanting to live longer it's like earning more money the more you actually um put into and the more positive you actually see the more you're going to do of and I think that's with the luck with the person's health and hopefully over a period of time um, people acknowledging this they start living healthier lives start living a healthier life you become less of a risk um, and it's all all makes sense. yeah you see it's also it's also going back to the whole idea that the patient has autonomy that yeah. we need to have that you're not just other people can't decide about your health journey. They can't mm. decide for you. They can't go in, you know, with it being a lifestyle, that often mm. their lifestyle diseases, you yeah. can't say, okay, now we're going to go home with you every day and make sure that you eat properly or you exercise or you cut down on your alcohol or you do whatever. It's up to you and that you have autonomy and you make your choices, but choices have got consequences. Sure, sure. What I've always said to the kids before is you can have anything in life as long as you take the consequence that comes with it. It's all a balance. Yeah. No, but I don't want consequences. I just want to be able to choose, be free, do whatever you want to, but there must be no consequences. Yeah. 
always consequences. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's look. I mean, one of the companies, we won't mention their name, um, they are very advertising the fact that if you are diabetic or you HIV positive, come to them because they will give you life insurance. And they also, I mean, I checked the website also, they're saying that there's minimum, uh, you know, you don't have to go for the tests, you don't have to go for these things. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't comment as a professional, <laughs> but as a non-professional, um, mm. it is very much, is that just, you know, the trappings of marketing? And when it comes to the person actually passing the way, they're going to say, oh, but look at the small print. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes down to underwriting. Like when they advertise on TV and um it will catch people out. Um, but when they say no medicals, um, you'll have cover immediate, underwriting has to be done. So underwriting is either done at application stage or it's done at claim stage. Either or. But um, one of those two points, underwriting is going to be done. If underwriting is not done at application stage, um, you essentially have taken a cover out, which you're paying a premium for, which you cannot be guaranteed you're going to get paid out. Um, if you do an application and you do your underwriting at application stage, you have guaranteed cover going forward providing the insurance company can't turn around and say non-disclosure. You haven't disclosed, you haven't been honest with your application. If you've been honest, you've disclosed everything, you've been underwritten on what you've disclosed, you have a guaranteed cover there. Because, okay, so what I'm understanding is, is that with the underwriting, it's basically saying that the insurance company is then backed up. So I'm promising you that I will cover you, but that yeah. promise mm, is a bit thin, okay? But if it's underwritten, it means that I can promise you and it will happen, yeah. okay? Yeah. So what you're saying is, is I can promise you the world now, come in, come in, come in, come in, whatever. But when you claim for it, then yeah. I don't get, it's not underwritten then. No. So mm. then we start asking questions. Um, so, I mean, let's use our example of Joe Soap. Along comes Joe Soap. Joe Soap says, yes, I have got diabetes, type 1, type 2, type whatever. And this company says, yeah, here you are. Here's your life insurance. They go away. They go, yay, look at me. Something happens to him somewhere down the line, and now he wants to claim, or the the whoever's claiming for him if he has passed away. Um, it's more a case of then, then they start asking the questions, but did you eat properly? Did you exercise? Did you take your insulin? Did you whatever? Oh, it seems like you didn't do all of those things. So now we're not paying out. Yeah, there is um, on cover that's not been underwritten. You put the express, expression bluntly as you leaving your legs wide open for uh, questions later like that, Joe. Uh, because it is an underwriting process and it has to be done. Either going to be done at application stage or it's going to be done at claim stage. So it's going to, you know, where we always talk about the small print and the loopholes, um, you know, like, we, oh, but you didn't do this at 3 o'clock in the morning and you didn't do this at 10 o'clock and, you know, you ate far too much meat, hmm. just using a random example. Yeah, yeah. Now it's um I think another another thing why you mention it is well is a lot of the I would say 
cheaper covers that get advertised over and above uh, no underwriting application stage. Um, life covers, um, where we would actually cover for life, um, loss of life in general, um, accidental death um, is a lot of um, what is advertised out there. Accidental death, what I've experienced over a period of time, is very, very hard to um, is very hard to actually get that payment out of them at the end of the day. Um, accidental death is um, it has to be a serious accident. It can't be um, as many comprehensive things of how a person can die. Um, it has to specifically be accidental. So they do tend to be cheaper death covers, um, but it's not as comprehensive as what a life cover is as well. So I, I think it's, I think it's very important is when, uh, it's like when you walk in a shop, um, and it's why I've always said, um, if you, with online buys and so forth, I like touching and I like feeling something before I buy it. It's, uh, that, that's what a customer I am. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing when you taking certain covers out, you're taking certain provisions is understanding, um, understand what you're getting at the end of the day, put the price to the quality, um, and understand that you're actually getting a proper quality the more expensive the the premium actually is. I think, I mean, before we go for a break, is is that everybody doesn't want to fill in paperwork. They don't want to go for countless tests and be prodded and pricked and all that kind of story. And let's just skip all that. So when somebody says, no, come in, come to me, come to me, we'll skip all the hassles. Then, of Mm. course, people are going to flood in there because like, oh, but, Mm. you know, my suspicion then is, is it's going to come back to bite you later. Sure, sure. I think it's, um, we've often brought to underwriting to the guys in our um, back office area as advisors, how clients feel, um, how fast-paced life is at the moment, what stress people are under, um, how much time, free time they've actually got to sit with you, disclose things, go for medical tests, hop out to the doctor every two minutes for questionnaires to be done. Um, so we, we we bring the human factor to underwriting. And I think most underwriting in life insurance companies is trying to streamline the process, trying to automate a lot more things um, through disclosure, um, try to bypass the client to get medical information from service providers. So it actually doesn't put as much um, stress on um, a client to get all the information and send it through to them. But I think what is valid and what is important is for the life insurance companies to assess the risk, they need the information. Um, so I think it's a, it's a bit of a... Um, tug and pull scenario um, we try and make things easier um, but we do need the information at the end of the day yeah so I think very important as you said it's either underwritten at application or it's underwritten at claim yeah 
Yeah. Um, and when it's underwritten at application, then you know that, Jim, the promise is real. But when yeah. it's at claim, you're going to have lots of, or you could have, let's say there's no 100 percenters here. Yeah. Um, you could have you could have issues when, when the claim goes through. Yeah. Okay, but let's go for a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about mental health and BMR. Sure, 100%. At Grants, we believe all good things start with three. Because three isn't a crowd, it's company. Three, it always starts the party. It's triple the characters, the moves, the memories. Grants, aged in three types of wood for a smooth taste. Triple wood, triple good. You're listening to Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. My guest today, David Smith. He is a financial advisor, and we're talking about life insurance. Um, you know, a lot of adverts are out there these days, and they say, no, you don't have to go for tests. You don't have to go for this. It doesn't matter if you've got A, B, or C. Come along, come along, sign up with us. Um and my sneaky suspicion is, is that it's almost just getting you in the door. And once you've signed up and you've paid all your money, you're going to have hassles. David has been explaining that, um, the gut feeling from my side in terms of underwriting and that underwriting has got to be done at application or it has to be done at claim. And somewhere along the line, they're going to ask the questions. And that's also where um, disclosure comes in in that if we are not disclosing what we have, what we're having, and even for instance, if you are, have a certain condition and you have not got the lifestyle to support that condition the best as possible, somewhere along the line, it's going to trip you up. But now something else we, let's start with BMI, Dave. Um, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people have like, oh, the BMI, okay, for, for people who may not know, BMI is body mass index. It's basically looking at your weight in relation to your height. And if it's over a certain number, you're classed as being overweight. If it's over another number, you're then classed as being obese. Um, and I know certainly some insurers will say, forget it. We're not insuring you because of your BMI. Although at the time, you may not have any other complications. Yeah. Um. BMI, I think for a long time, has been um, a bone of contention for a lot of people, uh, especially South Africans. We um, put it, the average South Africa probably is a, is bigger boned. Um, you find a lot of very um, healthy people um, who are, quite tall, um, but quite big at the end of the day. You've got some um, big rugby players out there. And um, not to say the person is unhealthy, but he's, the person's BMI is way out of line. Um, I think every single conversation that comes up when we have our meetings with underwriting is BMI still needs to be assessed. And I think it's the... Um, the way over a period of time, um, technology, um, we have been told about on our last meetings that um, life insurance companies are looking at 
different technologies in order to measure beyond a person's BMI. So um, from certain tests, um, they can actually um, reveal a person's bone index. Um, You can see certain scales that actually come out or they've been out for a while now. When a person hops on there, gives them the weight, gives them the bone density, gives them the body water, um, body mass. Um, And I think a similar type of thing is they're looking at machines that can actually measure um, a person's health beyond um, just a height and a weight. Only thing is, is probably um, looking at that science, looking at that technology um, and putting it into relation of cost um, on an assessment. I think that's probably holding a lot of the life insurance companies back. But the life insurance companies, I know for a fact, are looking at different ways to um, get the information of the BMI and more realistically. Um, I think a lot of companies here and there um, have taken the human approach. If there's um, been a a loading, a health loading because of BMI, and it's been questioned by a client or an advisor, um, you sort of bring the person into it, the, um, uh, the human approach, and you actually say, well, this is the person, and you actually show them, well, big guy or healthy lady, just a little bit um, more muscular and so forth. Uh, Probably when you can actually see the risk, um, it gives you probably a different belief and a different meaning than when you're seeing something in black and white on a paper, you're actually not seeing a picture. You're probably picturing something different. So I think um, as the science evolves, um, and hopefully the cost comes down, we are going to, we are going to see something different into the future of how the BMI is actually measured. Up until now, it is a concern um, with the risk um, because you do have uh, certain BMIs where you look at a person and you can actually see, um, you can actually see the BMI problem. Yeah. So it's a valid right. argument. So, so what you've said there as well is, is yes, bringing more human into it, okay, yeah. but also saying, okay, yes, we can't get away with the higher the BMI, the more likely there are going to be problems at some point. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then the other thing as well, anything to do with mental health, um, you know, on one side we're telling people let's remove the discrimination, let's remove the stigma from mental health. But on the other side, you have that when you are honest on your paper or you have, you know, gone through a phase in your life where you've gone on an antidepressant or you have declared, yes, I am um, OCD or I am whatever, um, it almost like it comes back to bite you. Yeah. I do. I have experienced a lot in the past before. It has come up in a lot of conversations as well. Um, I've had personally experienced sat down with the doctor questioning after the fact. Um, if you look at the ICD-10 codes um, of depression, and um, it happens a lot nowadays is a person can be going through a stressful time writing exams. Uh, they're busy working at the same time. 
they got the family and the kids to look after. They're going through a little bit of a stress while they're studying, but that stress essentially isn't going to be there six months down the line. Um, goes through to the doctor, says, I'm not coping with things at the moment. And the natural thing is the doctor will turn around and um, prescribe some sort of antidepressant for the person. Um, the ICD-10 code on there is for depression. Um, it is noted then in the file, person came and saw me on such and such a date um, antidepressants were prescribed. So the information we go back to later actually doesn't give the, why did you come and see me? Um, what was the, what was the issue for coming and seeing me? More often than not, um, six months to a year or even further down the line, when the information is sought on there, a person essentially can give general information back to the life company. Then they'll, essentially ask the doctor the limited information they're getting back um, client is turning around saying well what has happened to them but it's not essentially being verified by the doctor because the doctor is saying well came and saw me for depression in order to actually balance out the honesty on there the life company is essentially going to say well we want a person to go see a psychiatrist and fill a form out with a psychiatrist so it's um, it develops into quite a bit of a problem where a person looks and says, well, I'm only wanting life cover. I'm only wanting my disability cover. And now I've got to go see a psychiatrist. So I think it all comes down to the probably should be uh, a differentiation in ICD-10 codes, number one, or number two, doctors need to start adding more information into the files. So if they have to give uh medical information to a life company at a later date they have all the information to give them mm. uh too limited information comes from the doctors when we when we ask them about that so there are, there, there are more and more problems with that child yeah Nowadays. so it's also it's a case of you know narrative medicine of capture the story of yeah. what's going wrong with Joe Soap, you know, the exams, the this, the that, the next thing. Yeah. And that it's yeah. for a moment in time. But, yeah. you know, also you get thousands and thousands of people who live functional lives, but are have their depression, for instance, under control. Yeah. So it's also about, you know, they're doing the right thing. They're doing the proper health stories. They're doing the proper lifestyle, you know, all that kind of stuff. It is monitored. It is under control. And yet they are still discriminated against in that, oh, no, you can't have life insurance because you are. And then we put it in the label. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yes, so I, I get you with the ICD-10 code and that is not differentiating. Um, and But I think sometimes as well when you're looking at underwriters and um you know, all things mass, it's very much black and white. Yeah. And the it's facts. You yeah. are either at this or you're not at this, you know. Yeah. Um, and we need to bring more human into it, more story, more yeah. um exception of seeing, okay, but it was because of the exams and this and that, and it was for three months. Yeah. And that and that funny enough is where the information comes in, the disclosure comes in. I've always said bring bring the human back to underwriting. In the past before, um, the more human you do bring 
to underwriting, the the better your case is going to go at the end of the day. Um, I think too many people probably nowadays don't have the patience to do that or they have the limited resources to do it um, and they end up giving up on it. So I think probably except in the beginning, um, you do fit somewhere on a scale. Um, you've just got to agree with underwriting where you actually fit on that scale. Um, and that scale is essentially going to be your cost going forward in premium. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, before we close also, Dave, I think that's also just explaining to people the advantage of having somebody who has their back, but is yeah. also willing to listen to the story. Is not going to pop into your life every time you, oh, hang on, here's just a a life highlight of, oh, you're going to have a baby, you are sick, you are this, you changed jobs, you did that kind of story. And, you know, I'm sure we're all used to the insurance person who pops up for those, but Mm. isn't present for for all of it. Yeah. They've got to be along for the journey. Um, one one thing my my mentor has always said to me, and I think it's a lesson for the financial advisors out there. Um, I tell a lot of people every single day when they say, um, are you busy? And I say to them, I'm always busy. When you say you're busy to a person, they always think, oh, you're busy making money. So one thing I always say to a person is I'm always busy but I'm not always busy making money. However, when you are busy and you're not making money at the end of the day, you are busy with something you have already been paid for at some point in time. When you take your initials, you take your upfronts, when you do the cover, that is essentially your payment for a service going forward. And that is the journey. Um, I've had, clients in the past before um, that have always said to me is, wow, you know, um, uh, why are you actually spending the time? Why are you, for everything that you do, um, don't think think it's going unnoticed? To me, that is... um, that is a service you provide for the journey. Uh, we're dealing with people's lives at the end of the day. And if you um, take a client on, that client does become part of your family. Um, the caring, the nurturing going forward, making sure you can do whatever you can within your um, expertise, that that person is going to take the right path. Um and you are getting compensated for it. It's um, financial advisors get their upfronts, they get their as and wins. Uh, you paid for that journey. Um, and it's um, it's part of the heart as well. You don't get into the industry as an advisor unless you actually um, have a heart and you actually care about people. You've got to care about the journey. I think you have just allowed all your colleagues to think that they have a heart, whereas I would say they don't. Okay. So thanks very much, David. Thank you for um, bringing some more clarity to the situation. Also maybe saying to people that when it seems too good to be true, maybe it Mm. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And yes, also making sure that you seek out a financial advisor who is going to do the whole journey, not just the little zips. Here, yeah, I've paid my money and run out the door. Zips, see you for the next life um, happening. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then your closing thoughts on disclosure. Closing thoughts on disclosure is um, much is much is more um, as much as you can actually give us um, on the disclosure. You give as much as what you actually can give them a storybook about yourself at the end of the day, rather too much information than too little. Um, don't have them coming back to you later, but you never disclosed. Um, they do have scenarios in the background where a CISA and certain medical records they can check up on. So not to say if you do not disclose to them that they're not going to give you that medical questionnaire anyway. Um, you have a footprint and that footprint that you have, uh, there's a lot more information people know about you than you actually think they don't know so as much disclosure as possible honesty if you want an insurance company to be honest with you be honest with them as well so disclosure is key thank you so much for joining us you've been an awesome guest as always cool much appreciate much appreciate enjoy being here (laughs) okay Okay. you've been tuned to healthcare hour with colleague quist please remember you are loved you matter and you're not alone